No bank, chemist, medical practice, lawyer, dentist, accountant, or high school. He drove south along the floor of a shallow valley, undulating and partly cultivated hills on his left, a more dramatic and distant range on his right. Blue today, scarred here and there by scrubby trees, and the shadows among erupted rocks, a foretaste of the Flinders Ranges three hours further north. In the fashion of the locals, Hirsch lifted one finger from the steering wheel to greet the oncoming cars, all two of them. Nothing else moved. He was travelling through a land poised for movement. Birds watched him from the power lines, as if snipped from tin. Farmhouses crouched mutely behind cypress hedges, and farm vehicles sat immobile in paddocks, waiting for him to pass. Five kilometres south of Tiverton, he turned left at the bitter wash turnoff, heading east into the hills. And here, there was some movement in the world. Stones smagged on the chassis. Skinny sheep fled. A dog snarled at a fence line. Crows rose untidily from a flattened sleepy lizard. The road turned and rose and fell taking him deeper into pretty but hard scrabble country, just inside the rain shadow. He passed a tumbled stone wall, dating from the 1880s, a couple of massive perfect gum trees, a wind farm turbine. Someone had been planting trees up and down one of the gullies to combat erosion. Then Hirsch remembered to check kilometres travelled since the turn-off, and wondered when he'd come upon the hut his sergeant was talking about. He slowed for a dip in the road, water running shallowly across it from last night's storm, and accelerated uphill, over a peak, and around a blind corner, and jammed on the brakes. A gum tree branch, the length of a power pole, lay across Bitterwash Road. Hirsch switched off, his heart hammering, close shave. Beyond the obstacle, the road dipped again, bottoming out where a creek, in weak, muddy flood, had scored a shallow trench in the gravel. Then it climbed to another blind corner. And in a little cleared area, inside the fence and alongside the creek, was Sergeant Crop's tin hut. Corrugated iron walls and roof, mostly rust-coloured and a crooked chimney. He glimpsed trees and the suggestion of a green farmhouse roof on the flat above it. Hirsch got out. He was reaching to drag the branch off the road when a bullet snapped past his head. His first and natural instinct was to duck, his second to scuttle around to the lee side of the Hilux, drawing his service pistol, an S&W 40 caliber semi-automatic. His first thought was that Crop's anonymous caller had got it right. But then, crouched there beside the grubby rear wheel, Hirsch began to have a second thought. Two days earlier, some asshole had placed a pistol cartridge in his letterbox, and it occurred to him now that it hadn't been a joke or a threat, but a promise. He weighed his options. Call for backup. Tackle the shooter get the hell out.
or the choice had been made for him. The cunts had trapped him, where the road dipped between a canola crop and a stony hill. As soon as he showed himself, as soon as he got behind the wheel or clambered uphill to find the shooter, or climbed the fence to run through the canola, he'd be shot. Meanwhile, police backup was in Redruth, forty kilometres away. Hirsch's mind stopped racing and settled on one thought. The shooters were the very officers he hoped might back him up. They were not forty kilometres, but forty metres away, up there on the hillside, positioned for a crossfire. Their radios conveniently switched off. Redruth was a three-man station, crop and two constables. And when Hirsch had called in to introduce himself three weeks ago,